Look at my butt. Show number 301 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, here we are, back for another episode. It's been a little bit of a break. We both had things going on, and uh, now we're here, and we actually waited a little bit because we wanted to talk about the whole of Strange New Worlds, the thing from Mm -hmm. the beginning to the end and not episode by episode. So we're going to dissect all that in the second half of this show, and we have some, some other fun stuff to talk about first, which we'll get into now. Yes. So the first thing uh, we wanted to mention was thank you to everybody who wrote in and left us messages on Twitter and Facebook saying, hey, 300 episodes. Great. Congratulations. Because that was really sweet. Mm -hmm. And we got very nice wishes from people, including our good friend Mike Sterling, who made us um, a little Kirk rubber ducky happy 300th, which I thought was very cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was good. And, And like other people, you know, listeners... We put this show out, and we don't know if anybody listens to it, but maybe like the two or three people that we hear from constantly. So it's always so refreshing to get notes and email and Facebook messages from people who are just there, who are just listening. You know, interacting isn't their thing, and that's totally fine. We don't need people to be writing in and all. But it was really very delightful to hear from folks like Ryan, who I remember as a listener from years ago. So I will read a little bit from this email that he sent. Okay. Uh, longtime listener, Ryan from Canada, originally Toronto. I just had to write in to wish you both a happy 300. I go so far back with the show. I remember when you used to do sex toys reviews. <laughs> hey, speaking thereof. Yes. A lot of them are on sale during Amazon Prime days. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And um, the amount of interesting new sex toys has like exponentially increased mm-hmm. I think, in the last year as new technology and um, <laughs> new substances, manufacturing substances have come yep. out. Um, so Ryan continues, I had written in asking for advice with regards to my then girlfriend, now wife. So <gasps> I guess your suggestion for the rabbit pearl paid off. Oh, <laughs> yay! Um, he says, we've got two geeky girls now. One of them is 15 and is passionate about Marvel, but has watched Discovery with me. We both kind of pick it apart. Definitely not our favorite Trek, but it has had a few interesting ideas. The other one is 13 and really likes Lower Decks, as do I. Oh, so yes. many spectacular TNG digs. Um <laughs> My wife and I are watching Picard together. She has fond memories of TNG. We both thought season two started really strong, but slowed right down and was rather tedious. And same, we said that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have high hopes for season three with the old team back together. All this being said, we really are in what I'd call the platinum era of Trek. Oh, yes. Two animated series, three live action. Wow, so much to watch. I'm speculating they will do a seven as captain series with Rafi as number one. I agree. And he signs off by saying, thank you for consistently doing the show since 2005, 17 years. You guys are podcast pioneers, boldly (laughs) going. Oh, my goodness. In our Star Trek covered wagon. Yes. Yes. And he says, P.S., look at Anson's butt, huh? Loving the new show so far. It really feels like good old Trek. Yeah. So that was great. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Ryan. And he also, uh, we also got one from Howard Crunson, who we've heard from many times before. Yes, and he says, I just listened to episode 300. Congrats. I can't believe I have had the two of you in my ears for so long. We're trying to find our way out. We are. So thanks, everybody. Thank you all yes. for sticking with us and continuing to listen. And, you know, as we've said before, we'll just keep doing the show until one of us dies. And, you know, who knows when that's going to be. We're, uh, we're holding on. You know? We are holding on. And now there's, as it is the platinum age of Trek, there's so much to talk oh about. So God. we will never, never run out of things to talk Did about. Did you this ever is- think this would come around, that there would be... First of all, a live action series that actually feels like classic Trek. No. Again? No. Because, you know, every time they announce new one, you have these great high hopes, and then you watch it and you go, oh, I hate this, or, yeah, this is good, but it's it hasn't got the spirit or whatever. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, it's just amazing. And I never thought we'd see 
animated series and I never thought we'd see anything like Lower Decks you know it it felt like if anybody was ever going to do something like Lower Decks it would be a like a fan thing right like the Mm -hmm. way people do fan vids and stuff like that not that it would be an actual Trek production and uh it is just so good. So it's all great. I'm so happy. And plus, I'm still watching regular Star Trek every night at <laughs> 8 o'clock because it's my comfort thing, you know. It's like, I know what to expect. I know what's going to happen. I take such delight in watching everything. Um, as with TNG, you know, I've been focusing on watching Jonathan Frakes and his amazing yes. acting choices. And with TOS now, I'm, I'm like obsessed with McCoy's, both his bitchiness to mm-hmm. everyone. It's not just to Spock. He's a oh, no. big pain in the ass to everybody. But his general, like, uselessness, he's <laughs> always just showing up on the bridge for no reason. And he's leaning on Kirk's chair and he's like, hey, what's going on up here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I Go back down to class the today and hang out with you. <laughs> exactly. That's what it feels like. And I'm always yelling at this great. It's like, McCoy, get back to work. <laughs> there must be something for you to do in sick bay. Or did you just go that's it I'm gonna have a drink and then I'm gonna go see what Jim's up to and see if I can get him to leave and you know go read comics with me or something well the cleaning robots are in sick face so he has to get out for a while (laughs) it's just so funny but I love that DeForest Kelly early on decided you know what it doesn't make any sense for McCoy to be hanging out on the bridge at every opportunity, but by God, that's the way I'm going to play it. Like mm-hmm. I belong here, and it's it's fantastic. It's just so good. As an actor, <laughs> sometimes you just have to commit to this is what I'm doing. He is so committed. It's wonderful. It's just <laughs> wonderful. Okay, I have to tell you some news. Yes, um, listener again, but having nothing to do with our 300th show. Um, our friend Ruby Pearl, yes, um, who has been doing amazing work for your special project, mm-hmm. um, sent me an email or a message about two weeks ago or so, and she said, "Bill has not been active in a while, and he canceled his appearance at the London Con, and he never does this." And I'm like, "Wow! Oh my God! What has happened? He hasn't. There haven't been articles about him doing anything, and all this other stuff." So then, a couple of days ago, I get another one from her, and she goes, "Okay, it turns out she didn't say this, but I'm saying this. He did the most non-Bill thing you could possibly ever think of. For a week, he took." a watercolor painting class with his family. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, sorry to send you into a panic. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. A watercolor painting class with his family. And so he took a week off of everything to do this. That's amazing. Well, also I found out, I think it was yesterday, that the whole London Con is canceled. Oh, Not okay. just built, probably having to do with COVID or, you know, terrorism sure. or something. But anyway. <laughs> wow. Bill and watercolors. That's I can't wait to see what he produces. From oh, that. Me, me too. I was thinking that immediately. What has he done? You know, we want oh, to see that. Of course. Well, he'll probably be auctioning it for charity because that's what he does. Also, Ruby Pearl dug up probably the most deeply buried bit <gasps> of Shatneralia. Okay. What is it? In 1963... There's this movie called Operation Bikini, which okay. I thought was, you know, one of the beach party movies. Well, it's not. <laughs> okay. It's a, about a World War II movie on the Bikini oh. Atoll. Okay. Uncredited. But it says this on IMDb. Bill was the narrator. <laughs> is it, And is it true? Like, has she watched it? Well, I don't think she has. But I said, okay, I've got some time. I'm going to watch this. And this was today. And so um, I pulled on Amazon. You have to pay to see this movie. It's oh, not please. free to prime. But on um, one of the other stations, Pluto or something, which, uh-huh. you know, is shit as far as throwing in commercials, wherever. And um, so I thought, well, surely narration it will be at the beginning, you know. So I started watching it and nothing, nothing. And then it, you know, suddenly throws in a commercial and I'm watching and watching. And... I finally, like after 20, 25 minutes, I went, I can't do this. 
So if it's at the end, you know, you have to fast forward through it, but it stops and makes you watch every commercial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I have to tell you what was going on when I stopped. There's, you know, name people in this, and Uh uh, one of them is Frankie Avalon. Oh, boy. As a young guy on a submarine. And it's a black and white movie. And at one point, he's looking at a picture of his girl back home. And the music starts playing, and he's fantasizing about her. And the movie changes to be color for just that segment. But when the first line of the song that he's singing in the background is, she has apple pie eyes, I went, okay, I'm out of here. Does this movie, did it think it was The Wizard of Oz or something? That's very weird. Well, the other movie that does that is The Women, which turns to color just for the fashion show. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's very, very strange. Yes, but apparently Bill is the narrator, and, you know, at some point, maybe we'll run across it for free without all the commercial breaks and be able to, you know, go on through and, and verify this, but... That's bizarre. I wonder. Wacko. Well, so okay, they they didn't. He's not named in the cast, but I I guess they paid him. I mean, they would have had to pay him. Mm -hmm. How strange to pick him for a narrator. I mean, he doesn't really have narrator voice, does he? Well, not then. He does now. I was really interested to to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll make a a a mission to find (laughs) that and see what it actually sounds like. Yes. Um, speaking of that's amazing um, speaking of other other bill things I was bored one day or something or I'd lost the will to live so I was just <laughs> watching stuff on TV like bad things and I watched this episode of Marcus Welby that Bill was in mm-hmm. uh, from 1972 and it's called uh, what the hell is it called oh heartbeat for yesterday oh god so i'll I'll just tell you about it very quickly terrible name terrible episode bill plays a pilot who's also a doctor so there's that um i you know do people remember marcus welby i do yeah because we watched it as a family right well not really but my mom uh was a nurse and Uh my one sister was you know just going to be starting off on that career quite soon and Mm -hmm. so together they would watch every medical thing and i hated i hated that show yeah i i think in my house we just watched a lot of these serialized things so we watched Mm -hmm. medical center and and you know all of that and and i didn't really remember but as we've said you know we, we have talked on the show many times about uh, serialized television from the 70s and how incredibly boring it is mm-hmm. that like nothing happens nothing happens and there's these long stretches where they're clearly just filling time until they get to the next plot point and this is no exception uh, <laughs> so uh, you know Bill's fine he doesn't have much to work with as a character but he's totally fine Robert Young as Marcus Welby you know He's he's trying. He's he's out there acting, even though he doesn't really have much to do. Um, it, the whole plot revolves around uh, having to transport uh, a young Native American guy from his reservation to medical facilities because he's falling into a diabetic coma. That's what happens. Mm, and of course, okay. they get yeah. It's it's like it's an interesting plot and. Mm-hmm. He, they get waylaid along the way because there's bad weather and Bill has to, he's the pilot, so he has to bring the plane down and then they got to wait for someone to come and rescue them. And it's all fine in the end and everybody's good. And it's interesting that they used Native American actors to play good. some of the roles, which was good. But unfortunately, they also resort to the like old magical Native American guy who can read the clouds and know when things are going to happen. And like, oh, plus they refer to him as a red man at one point. And I was like, ew, that's so gross. How could you do that on television? It's disgusting. So, uh, you know, Bill's in it. He's not in it very much. Would not recommend watching because he doesn't get to do anything. And there's no, like, superfluous shoulder rolls? No, not really. He's just, no, he's wearing a very, very bad toupee. Um, the regulars in the show included James Brolin, who's in it for, yes. like, five minutes. But also Ann Baxter, but she was not in this episode, which disappointed oh, me because I love yeah. her. She's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that was that. And now we never have to watch it or discuss it ever again. So. Oh, I'm glad that's yeah, out of know, the way. Take it off the list. <laughs> oh, very, very Throw it funny. in the other bucket. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, speaking of throwing things in the other bucket, there was, I just wanted to mention this briefly, there was an article in the Mary Sue uh, back from the beginning of June, mm-hmm. and it, for reasons, you know, you write an article about Star Trek, you're going to get clicks. This is called Resistance is Futile, Every Star Trek Series Ranked from Worst to Best. So I was curious to see what would be the best. Um, so here's their rankings, which I mostly agree with. So you tell me what you think. Okay. Um, num- number 10, Star Trek Picard. Okay. Would you rate that as the worst of them all? Of what I've seen of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um Number nine, Star Trek Prodigy. You haven't really seen it, so... Has it started? Oh, it's been on. The first season is over. And I've watched some of it. It's fine. It's it's a different thing. It's not Mm -hmm. a regular Star Trek series. So, you know, I don't even feel like it should be in this list to a certain extent. Okay. Um, Number eight, Star Trek Discovery. Probably fair. Well, okay. I've seen all of Discovery. Mm-hmm. seen like an episode and a half of two episodes of Enterprise. Uh-huh. And since I couldn't bear to watch anything in between the first and the last episode, <laughs> I would rank Enterprise probably lower than Discovery. Okay. Well, they have it ranked in the next slot. So number okay. seven, Star Trek Enterprise, okay. or as we call it in my house, Star Trek Enterprise, not as bad as you remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, still, still pretty bad. Uh, number six, Star Trek Voyager. Maybe... I guess. Okay. Number five, Strange New Worlds. Um, What? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, That seems like a pretty uh, iffy ranking. I would think so. When did they make this list? So this was was the beginning of June. So there had only been uh, a few episodes on at that point. Mm, I was still impressed as hell at that point, though. Yeah. Okay. So Hmm, there's that. Um, Number four, Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Number three, Next Generation. Okay. And here comes the controversy. Number two, the original series. Ooh, they must die. The barbarians are at the gates. So number one, they rank as Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And, you know, I love Deep Space Nine, but I would not rank it as the best Star Trek. How can you not do the original series as the best it's i mean it's set the template for it and all the others are either riffing on it or fighting against it but there is always that element you know i want to read one thing from this because Mm -hmm. I, i i disagree violently with this it says it might be easy to dismiss it by today's standards. After all, most of the sets are clearly plywood, styrofoam, and neon lighting, and it carries with it some of the problematic tropes and morals of its time, but it has so much more going for it. It's filmed in beautiful technicolor. Costumes are gorgeous and hilarious. The sets are flimsy, and the action sequences are perhaps not always the most well-executed, but it's campy as hell and so fun to watch. Okay. Okay. I, well, here's the thing. Having been watching a lot of Trek lately, I think it more than any other Trek series makes you believe in what you're watching. You know, like Mm -hmm. you look at those planet sets, you look at the interior of the Enterprise and yeah, it's cardboard and and it's cheap and all that, but it's so well done. It's so well lit and photographed and blocked. You Mm -hmm. believe it. You you can't help but believe it. So and that that the the show is so much more than that, more than campy things, which a lot of people that's what they pick up on. Ha ha ha. Yeah. But you know, think think of the episodes where your heart was actually pounding and what's going to happen here, and the ones that you know maybe moved you to tears, or the Mm -hmm. ones that you know still. As much as we, we make fun of Risk is My Business, I can still get a shiver up my spine from that. Every time. I mean, yeah. there is so much in that. And the actors were so committed to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue is great. And man, for a scripted 60-minute thing, it moves along. Mm-hmm. Like, there is never a dull moment in, in I mean, there's a few episodes where there are dull moments, but generally speaking, seasons one and two, oh, it's yeah. it's well written, it's well directed, it's well acted, it's good, it's good TV. Like I I I just don't see how people can't get that, even in comparison to what we would call what do they call it? Like premier 
cable things, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like marquee TV where you oh, have top yeah. name actors and stuff. It's a good show. It's a really, really good show. And it makes me angry that people can't recognize the goodness of it as a TV show outside of the Star Trekiness of it and everything else. It's just really good compared to the crap that was on television at the time. Like, oh, I don't know, Marcus Welby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yes. So there we go. It made me angry. <laughs> because oh, it, oh, dear. Just yes, it just dismissed that, and I think I think more people. Well, people do. You know, I've read quite a lot about the original series, where people who are young, who come to it sort of fresh, are amazed at what a good TV show it is. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, "Wow, I always thought, yeah, it was just this campy thing, and nobody was taking it seriously, and then I got totally sucked in, and, and mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, what's going to happen next?' And yeah, 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 that's what it is. And they are jealous of us oldsters oh. who were there. Yes. The time. Yes. Almost the before time. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> it was just the beginning of the, the after time. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> it was five minutes after <laughs> before. Before. <laughs> oh, okay. I have one more thing I want to talk about before we take a break. Okay. which has Because we're getting to Strange New Worlds, but... um. You were mentioning, you know, Bill hasn't been doing as much as he was, um, but two things that I noticed. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and many podcasts that are on networks have commercials mm-hmm. and sometimes they're local and sometimes they're national. And on some of the ones I've been hearing Priceline commercials narrated by William Shatner, wow. which is weird because I thought he wasn't their spokesperson anymore. Well, maybe he still, you know, swoops in every now and then. I guess it's just a little strange. Um, and he's doing the Priceline negotiator thing. He's not doing like, really? hey, I'm William Shatner. Yeah. And so huh. either they they renegotiated with him and got him to do a few more very easy audio only spots, mm-hmm. which for him is like nothing. Right. Um, or he just decided that he wanted to, to be the spokesperson again. I don't know. It's hmm. or, or they might have recycled old commercials. I suppose they're allowed to do that, you know. Well, yeah. So, anyway, it's just, it was a little shocking. It's like, oh, it's Bill doing Priceline. So, that was weird. Um, what about that strange commercial you sent me today? <laughs> yes. So, the, I was coming to that. Um, okay. <laughs> so, this was an ad, a, an ad that appeared in front of a YouTube video that I was watching. Because, mm. like podcasts, YouTube videos have commercials. And this was a commercial that had nothing to do with the video that I was actually watching at the time. It wasn't related. And it's a commercial for a software developer contest called Hack the Galaxy. And it's being sponsored by a company called Rapid, which is spelled R-A-P-Y-D. So people who know about software, you know, they have these things called hackathons. And the Mm -hmm. point is to solve very difficult puzzles or break certain security softwares. You know, it's for developers to show off their skills. So that's what this thing is for. And for reasons I do not understand, they managed to get William Shatner as the spokesperson for it. So I'll put the link in and people can watch this video. It's him sitting in a big chair with a, a geeky developer guy next to him who's actually pretty funny. I think so, yeah. And Bill is wearing a suit. He looks very dapper. He has new mm-hmm. hair, I think. Uh, Could his just hair be the lighting, is, but yes. It's very silvery white now. It looks great mm-hmm. on him, I have to say. It's very attractive. And it's clear he has no idea what this is. Like, <laughs> he just, he does not understand. He's reading the words that were given to him. I think they wanted him because the prize for winning this contest is you get to go to almost space like he did. Ah, so yes. that's what he's talking about here is like, you know, oh, I, I went to almost space. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, it's actually a plus that he doesn't understand what he's saying because it makes him more playful. It, he's very playful in this. Yes. It, it's very good. And it's just, it's weird. And he, you know, he's interested in everything. And mm-hmm. I was trying to imagine the path by which this commercial came to him, right? Like, clearly it was through Jeff Bezos or something, right? Mm-hmm. The space connection. And these people were like, oh, yes, we're doing a hackathon. And he's like, 
software development. Explain that to me. And then they tried and he didn't understand it. Um, right, right. But they got him to do this. How long is it? It's very short. It's just like uh, 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Yeah, 30 second commercial where he's announcing this. And it ends with a really good joke, which I loved. He, he tells the guy who's next to him, who's wearing a, a Hack the Galaxy shirt at one point, he says, take that off and I'll sign it for you. And then you can give it away as a gift. And the guy's like, no. <laughs> and Bill sort of mocks him and goes, no. <laughs> but then <laughs> but then at the very end he walks over and has this like fluorescent yellow marker and he signs the shirt and he says to the guy there now it's worth something <laughs> which I thought was so funny do you know what that reminded me of when I saw it and he's signing what? with the gold pen the first time I ever met Gary Lockwood <laughs> uh-huh. and you know he gave me an autograph on one of his pictures and then he gets out another picture and he goes, no, no, let me do this one with the gold pen. Cause look how nice it looks with the gold pen. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. That's him. That's definitely him. Anyway. So that's what Bill's doing. He's shilling for the rapid hack the galaxy hackathon for all you software developers out there. You can do this and there he's not involved. Like it doesn't say, <laughs> and you can meet me or you know, I'll be there when you take off into space. No, none of that stuff. He's just doing a commercial. <laughs> so what wonderful new discovery that he can monetize will he bring from the watercolor class? We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it's somehow involved in all his other amazing business dealings. Yes. Oh, it's too funny. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that to people. Take take 30 seconds and, and watch the video. It's worth it. It it's is totally worth it. definitely worth it. Okay. So uh, we're, we've been talking for about 30 minutes. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to dive into our, our new favorite show right now with our second favorite captain, Strange yes. Worlds. Yes. We'll be right back. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Well, listeners, we hope by now that you have watched the finale of Strange New Worlds because we did and we're going to talk about it. So if you didn't and you don't want it to be spoiled, I don't know, go do something else. Yeah, um, because the, the, this is the whole rest of the show. Yes. Tonight. There's just yeah. so much to talk about here. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, first of all, let me lead off with the most important thing that we learned, which is mm -hmm. that the Asian woman who is the other Helms person is Mitchell. Jenna Mitchell. Not Gary Mitchell, Jenna Mitchell. But it's Mitchell! So, is she Gary's daughter? Is she Gary Mitchell just as a woman? I don't know. It, it has to be, right? It, can't, it cannot be a coincidence that the other person at the helm is named Mitchell. It well, especially be. when they are, you know, so accurate about so many yes. of the canon things. Uh -huh. You know, you just, <laughs> I mean, I went, Mitchell! <laughs> Same. I just was like, ah! And then, you know, even though I was watching a show, um, I grabbed my phone to look up that character to see if she'd been in other shows. And she has been in other shows. I remember seeing her mm. sitting at the helm, but they never named her. Mm. So what does that mean? I have absolutely no idea. Um, I hope to God that she's back because I just, it made me freak out a little bit that it was Mitchell. It was well, Mitchell. <laughs> and I hope she has the most tragic backstory. 
of anyone. You know, and that that has sort of like permeated my consciousness because when I'm watching TV or a movie or something and somebody starts talking about, you know, well, this happened when I was a child, I'm like, we need special music, you know, to cue tragic backstory coming. Uh-huh. And it's the, it's a shorthand that I'm really sick of. Well, it seems like everybody has some kind of tragic thing going on in their background. So I got to think that we're going to get something. Uh, but oh, I don't know. Mitchell. Just Mitchell. Just Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> so even if it was just for Mitchell, um, it would be worth it. Because, you know, Mitchell. Well, the other thing that really did make me, you know audibly react very loudly uh-huh. was um, when uh, future Pike showed up, but they <gasps> shot him from the back yes. in the red yes. <laughs> Admiral yes. uniform. And I'm like, it's Kirk. And then, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> so there were so, so, so many things about the last episode which were amazing. And I got to say, if you're going to go that route and say, we're going to remake or remix, perhaps, one of the most famous episodes of Star Trek, this was a good way to do it. I was very appreciative of the effort mm-hmm. that went into doing it and how, uh, like, I was sort of reciting lines of dialogue yes. along with the actors because, of course, yes. you know, we know what that all is. And mm-hmm. It was amazing. So um, I liked almost everything about it. I am reserving judgment on the actor who's playing Kirk. Oh, I'm not. Kirk, that is. Okay. (laughs) Because I couldn't tell from this what kind of person he really is. So, you know, that whole thing is basically another timeline. And it was hard to tell how much reality that was supposed to be like when we see La'an she's totally different you know mm-hmm. she's a different personality and she acts differently and she's all warm and and you know warm fuzzies and, and she's not like that at all now mm-hmm. so are we supposed to think did did she have that many intervening experiences in seven years to make this happen or like I don't know so I am thinking that the Kirk that we saw, the Jim Kirk that we saw in this episode, might not be exactly the same character as is going to turn up in season two. That's what I'm saying. Well, I was very disappointed in him. I found him really bland, one-dimensional, you know, sort of uh, playing, uh, I don't know, you know, hit your mark, say your line sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And... um, Lee Crow, who I follow, you know, had posted in all caps, I hate the new Kirk. (laughs) You know, Lee's got quite a following. So people were going, yeah, me too, blah, 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 blah. And and talking about how boring he is. And I'm really proud of this comment that I posted. I said, there's no there there. And, and, you know, um, it's really interesting to read the comments of fans who are passionate about Trek and who do, you know, know it, maybe not to the deep level we do, but they really do know it. And um, everybody, you know, some not everybody, but some people are saying, well, you know, he's younger than TOS Kirk. He's not as seasoned. I'm going, no, mm-hmm. he's the age of TOS Kirk in Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. And he has, I'm assuming, been captain of the Farragut for as long a time as Kirk yeah. had been captain of the Enterprise at that point. Yeah. But he's he's still kind of, he hasn't had the J.J. Kirk uh, filed off of him yet. Mm-hmm. You know, just being an mm-hmm. arrogant asshole. And that seems to be the only thing he's playing. Yeah. So... For me, the biggest thing is that he's not charming at all. Oh, I know. He is completely lacking in charm. And for me, that's kind of what makes Kirk Kirk. Well, and it's also the energy that comes off of him, you know? Yeah. You know, Kirk, he is an asshole sometimes. And Mm -hmm. he sometimes ends up on the wrong side of things and blah, blah, blah. But he is charming. He is really charming to everyone at all times. Mm-hmm. And without that, he comes off the way this guy did. Just not quite where you'd want him to be. Mm-hmm. 
So that that was disappointing. But I, like I said, maybe things will be different when they bring him back in season two and his character will be a little more well-rounded or something. Mm-hmm. You know, the other weird thing, and I know this shouldn't bother me, but it does, is that he looks little. <laughs> he looks like a wee chap, you know, mm-hmm. um, because both uh, Anson Mount and Ethan Peck are sort of jacked at this point, you know, they're mm-hmm. like big and muscly and he does not look like that. And hmm. For me, part of Kirk's appeal is his physicality, yes, you know, that yes. he is, I mean, goddamn, he's a captain who walks around the ship with his shirt off mm-hmm. on a regular occasion, and people are <laughs> totally used to it. They're like, right, oh, right. yeah, there goes the captain, he's shirtless again, and all sweaty, it's fine, fine, yeah. that's just, that, that's life that's, on the Enterprise. That's the, what he does, that's his style. That's his style. Yeah. This guy is not going to walk around the Enterprise with his shirt off. Well, and the other thing is, that's disappointing, is... I think the first time you see young Shatner, not in just any of his other things, but as Kirk, mm-hmm. it's it's a, a gasp moment. Oh, yeah. At how Absolutely. beautiful he is, but yet yes. totally masculine. Yeah. This guy is, um, he's handsome in this Hollywood way that mm-hmm. projects nothing except balanced features. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you could order one of him off Amazon and open the can and he pops out or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I I am not disagreeing with you there. He he lacks uh that bal like you were just saying, that balance in Kirk, you know, that he's mm-hmm. so beautiful, but he's also completely masculine at the same time. And yep. as an actor, Shatner is very, very good at balancing those two things. Yeah. You know, he does he never tries to downplay his looks or his appeal, or his, I hate to use this because it's so, you know, gender specific, but like his softer parts, mm-hmm. that's part of Kirk. That is yes, absolutely yes. part of Kirk, is that he is funny and soft and caring and, and all of those things. And he's mm-hmm. never afraid to be that way to anybody. Right. He's, he's, he's self-assured. Yes. He knows who he is. Yeah, and this is part of the reason why Anson Mount's Pike is so great because he's the same. You know, yes. he is completely secure in who he is and what he's doing and his decisions and everything. And it was I was so happy that they allowed him to kind of lose it with Ortegas on the bridge mm, when yes. when she when she was being Styles and and mm-hmm. you know like we can't trust these and he's like stand down and he kind of lost his temper and I was he, like yeah, great he, he slapped her down and that was yep. good to see. It was very good to because see. Because in a a lot of the season the season I'm kind of going is he gonna turn out to be a marshmallow exactly and yeah. he totally isn't when necessary he will be that he way can bring so, it. yep yep so that was great I love that um so you know I, you you forwarded me several different articles which we can discuss either lightly or more in depth but I take issue <laughs> with this one article let me find it okay this was in giant freaking robot and the title of this article is star trek proves kirk was a better captain than pike yes so the theory of this article is saying you know we saw the situation exactly in balance of terror and pike's solution was the wrong one and kirk's solution was the right one and i think and so the conclusion of this writer is, therefore, Pike was a better, uh, Kirk was a better captain than Pike. Okay, no, <laughs> that's not, that's and, not true. And that wasn't the point of this. That, so, yes, that wasn't the point of this, was Pike knew that he had to try to do something different or unusual or just something to alter the timeline. He had no way of knowing what was going to work and he was just reaching for whatever could possibly work and he was not in the same circumstances as Kirk was at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. because the Farragut wasn't there right yep yeah he had a different crew he had just a different set of circumstances in which to make the decision so he made the best decisions that he could for him in that time and in that place mm-hmm. it didn't happen to be the solution that fixed the problem but if he had been exactly in Kirk's place on Kirk's Enterprise with no Farragut and all the rest of it, he probably would have done the same thing, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, was, it was not only to show Pike what 
would happen if he followed his Pike's idea of, you know, saving himself and those cadets. Well, here comes the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. You're you're alive when that happens instead of being in your wheelchair when that happens. But it was also to contrast the two, I think. Mm-hmm. The two different styles of of, yeah. uh, of command. And uh, it was interesting because I think you could see them at certain points becoming a little impatient with each other. Definitely. But they're too, protect- too professional to say, shut the fuck up and get off my bridge, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, it, the, the best thing about this episode for me is that I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen from minute to minute. Oh, yeah. You know, in so much TV that we watch, and it's even true for Star Trek, and it was certainly true for something like Picard. You're like, yep, I know it's going to happen. And and you're just kind of waiting to see it happen. And in this, I was like, anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely anything could happen. You know, they were willing to take a lot of chances, and it, it was great. It was just really good television all around. Well, you know what else? Um, The choice that that Pike made, which was, look, let's each take an hour, repair our ships. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll feel differently. I think um, with what little they knew about the Romulans at that time, that was not a good decision. Mm-hmm. But if you keep in mind how this whole thing started, it was with Pike wanting to live, wanting to save these kids. Mm-hmm. So killing as few people as possible, being merciful, mm-hmm. pursuing that was part of him at that point, a really big yep. part of him, probably never left the back of his mind. Of course, yeah. And if he did not know his future, he might have taken more of a Kirkish approach on it. You know, yep. it, this this episode, you know, played out as a, a two-pathed what if, mm-hmm. but if you really dig into it, there's a lot going on. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. It, it was not just binary A or B choices. Mm-hmm. It was completely layered with so many things. And also, if the second in command on the Romulan ship hadn't sent out the call to the Romulan fleet, it would have worked. Oh, yes. Because he he was a, a commander who was very tired of all the death and yeah. all the war. Yep. So yeah. it almost did work. And if the Romulan commander, not the Romulan commander, <laughs> but this Romulan commander, mm-hmm. um, if he had been quicker to shut down his second in command, it totally would have worked. Mm-hmm. And it, it would have meant a completely different outcome and solution to all these things. So, right. So many you know, variables. So many variables. Um, I will say I, I had been so hoping that they would get the actor who played Spock's dad from Discovery to be the Romulan commander, but um, maybe that would have been too much of an in-joke, I think. Yeah. Um, well, it's like the idea of having one actress play yes. number one and Chapel, which I still think about every now and then, and laugh. It would have been, it would have been great. Um, I think the guy who was the Romulan commander, he was fine, mm-hmm. but... You know, Mark Leonard was so good. You can't wipe that performance out of your memory. I wish they'd had somebody a little more high-powered, maybe, in that mm-hmm. role. Uh, you know, a little more gravitas, a little more depth. Um, and I know he didn't have that many lines to do things, and he was fine, but I don't know. It made me wish for Mark Leonard because he yeah. was just so good as the yeah. Romulan commander. The woman who played the Praetor was fantastic. I loved yes, her. Yes, yeah, yes, she was yes. great. Um, now, when uh, Pike sat down with Sam Kirk and said, tell me about your brother, <laughs> I really thought, gee, Sam, kick him and gossip behind his back. He was really harsh. He was really harsh. He I said mean, he's a pain it's in the like, ass. okay, so you're jealous of your baby brother? Who's a captain of a starship now, and you're not, yeah. obviously. And also, speaking of Sam, it occurred to me, we don't know... Is he married yet? Do they, they have any said. children? Because said. everywhere I read different things of this is five years before TOS, seven years, 10 years, even with 10 years, that oh. one kid in um, yeah. Operation Annihilate, he looks about 10. 
or, or at least maybe at a least. little bit older. Yeah. yeah think, so they got to clear up Sam's situation. I think all that timeline stuff is out the window. So, you know, maybe, imagine maybe, what but, you will. You know, these are very imaginative people. So yeah. I, I will not be surprised if they manage to, uh, you know, fit that in somewhere. Yeah. Well, I did, though, in very much enjoy Sam saying he doesn't like to lose. That oh, was yes. good. That was very, very good. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, I, I totally recognize that this episode had a fuck ton of fan service in it. Yes. And that's fine. Because it was did... well done. It was well done. That's the thing. It wasn't just offhand references for a joke or something. It mm-hmm. was all woven in very naturally and Every little bit of it was just perfect. So perfect. I loved it. And I believe that even if you were not immersed in the TOS timeline and and mythology and everything else, I still think you could enjoy and respect this episode. Definitely. Definitely. So I thought, I was convinced up until the last few minutes of the episode that in that timeline, it was Kirk who was going to die. Me too. That's my one criticism is that Spock must live because he's going to be the biggest deal. And I'm like, are we doing this again? That's straight <laughs> out of the JJ universe. And that's one of the main things I hate is that Spock is the center of the universe. He's not. He's not. But in this instance, I think that they, I think the writers were leading us to believe it was going to be Kirk who Mm-hmm. would die and he didn't and i i didn't have quite as strong as reaction to it like oh no it's the spock thing again but it was a recognition of some of the i guess galactically important things that spock has done you know with mm-hmm. um the whales and the reconciliations with the romulans eventually and just places that he needed to be. Not that he was the most important person, just that mm-hmm. he was there at these important points in time. Well, in a way, it also made Pike's decision easier. Mm. Because I was, in the email to you, I was comparing this to the Edith Keeler situation. Yes, yes. You know that the quote-unquote good outcome, outcome means someone who means a lot to you has to die. Mm-hmm. And if he lets Spock die, he gets the bad outcome, mm-hmm. which was not what he wanted. He wants to live, but he doesn't want other people to suffer for it. Yeah. It was very interesting at the end uh, when he sort of explained to Spock what was going on. And he said, you're very important to me. And Spock was like, same. Like, is that? meant to tip off something that's going to be happening in season two i don't know i mean you know they they work together and all that but i did not sense a deep relationship between them i think we better see that deep deepening because in tos in the the um captain pike two-part episode uh spock does all this stuff yeah yeah because of his friendship his respect his love yes. maybe yes, for yes. captain pike mm-hmm. and i i think that, that was a really nice piece of acting by um ethan peck mm-hmm. that he's taken aback when pike says that yeah yeah and he calls him chris which was yes. good yes. very much the way when spock calls kirk jim it's like ooh, mm-hmm. he's using his name <laughs> yes ooh. yeah exactly so yes you're absolutely right about that and i really hope that they they do that because yeah they're going to have to build that up you know mm-hmm. for us to believe that the events of the cage could have happened and we really haven't seen it so far there've been no. they're building towards it but we haven't seen it spock in fact up until now is probably the one of the main characters who is the least comfortable with the captain yeah. because he can't figure out this sort of easygoing jokey guy yeah. who says here do the dishes you know and yep. makes a joke about everybody <laughs> into the station wagon you know yep. <laughs> so um yeah i think that that's a small thing that i hope is leading to more exploration me too so the cliffhanger at the end mm-hmm. uh, as they had hinted at during the episode was that uh, number one 
Una gets hauled off because she's a genetically modified individual. And I'm sure that's going to be a big part of season two. But oh, yes. here's the thing. Yes. She's there in the events of the cage. Yep. So she has to come back, right? Wait, we do not know she's there. There is a woman who they call number one. You don't think it's the same person? It doesn't have to be. Okay. It could be like an unofficial title for your executive officer. I mean, Picard calls. um, Oh, yeah. Riker is number one. Number one. And I'm thinking, you know, if she goes away and another woman takes her place, Mm -hmm. because we never knew that number one's actual name. That's true. And actually, I would not be too upset because. I don't think they're doing a good job of writing her right now because she, for me, in many instances, she's coming off as Pike's work wife. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess so. She doesn't have that coldness and that sternness. Remember in the episode where the the, uh, younger officers were playing Enterprise Bingo? Yeah. And they ran into her and they said, oh, that's where fun goes to die. And I thought, <laughs> she seems quite warm and inviting. You know, if they had run into the, you know, Majel as number one, it would have been, yeah, that's where fun goes to die. I, I have to say, in that episode you were referring to, I really did like her scenes with La'an and how they were talking about the things that they thought were fun, like doing the duty roster and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, it was good. It was really, yes, really good yes. to see them, you know talking about these horrible boring things that they were just really really into and then of course their own innate competitiveness being like well this game is really fucking stupid but we're gonna finish it because (laughs) we have to finish it (laughs) uh so i looking back on the season i i felt like towards the end it was getting a little bit into um this is the x episode you know like the one with the storybook characters was the holodeck episode, mm-hmm. right? And the one with um, where we unfortunately had to say goodbye to Hemmer, who I absolutely oh, loved. I and love I'm so that sad character. he's gone. Yeah, like that was the Alien episode, you mm-hmm. know, the movie Alien. And there was one before that that was also clearly a this is the X episode. And, you know, it's fine to do that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like every episode has to be a a template or a trope yeah type it doesn't have to do that so i hope that they don't map out season two as this has to be an x episode yeah so i was real sad about hemmer i i got very cheery about that i loved him um and there was an article i read online and i wish i had sent it to you i couldn't find it again but you know the actor was saying he knew that he was there for one season that was it so this did not come as a big shock to him but then it talked about he's legally blind the actor Mm. is and there was not a big play of look a blind person playing a blind person no he was you know he talked about how good that was how good it felt to Mm -hmm. um you know to, to be able to fit into that character there were things he knew that a sighted actor wouldn't know right right yeah you know what i loved about him I loved that they gave him this telepathic power and in three quarters of the cases where Pike was like, hey, Hammer, can you do that psychic thing? And he's like, nah, I can't do it in this situation. I know. (laughs) It was was great. It was just, it shut off all that magic Vulcan stuff from TOS. I loved it. (laughs) Yes. And his, his whole thing, I know my purpose. I fix what's broken, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot, and yeah. I hope we, we see his long-lost cousin or somebody. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Um, he was. He really so let's was. see, there were a couple other things from the last episode that I, I briefly wanted to mention. One was, of course, while Spock is working in the Jeffreys tube, we hear the voice of a Scottish engineer type. Of course. Of course. So that was good. We'll see what happens with that. And I also loved the fact that Uhura on the bridge was wearing a costume that was much more like actual Uhura from TOS. It had mm-hmm. the black trim around the collar and she had Uhura's jade hoop earrings. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes, Good I was like, you. oh, look at that. Look at that. Yep. They're really going for it. That was great. Yep. So it was lovely to see that. And it was, it was, I like that Uhura has not been played as a panicky young cadet. 
Yes. You know, inside she might be going, is this the right thing to do? But on the exterior, she is totally professional. Mm-hmm. I know what I should be doing here, you know, and mm-hmm. I do it. I provide the captain with what information he needs, and that's yeah. really nice. It's great. And and I also really like that she is able to interact with the other officers Mm-hmm. In a very realistic way. So in the alien episode, when they're trying to interpret the symbols and Laan just goes to her, well, figure it out. What does it say? <laughs> like, like you should be able to do it. And she goes, that's not how linguistics works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was great. It was I just love that. It was yep. really good writing. So, I mean, it, it's it's hilarious, but it also points up a bigger thing. Whereas that Ahura is now viewed by the senior staff as so competent that she could just look at something. So mm-hmm. Laan is just like, all right, fine, figure it out. And she can push back on that a little bit and go, mm-hmm. actually, no, I no, have to do it no. in a very specific way. That, so, was that, was a, great. that was a really good moment. It was hilarious. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, so many good things about the, the more recent episodes. I, I thought they were all interesting. The, the storybook one was weird. The holodeck one, uh, you know, like it felt like they didn't really have a handle on what kind of episode it was going to be until the end, you know, then it got to the plot part. And I was like, Oh, this is actually very interesting, but yeah. But you know, all the, the running around in the sword play and yeah. who's on what side and everything that was kind of like, why are we doing, this? why are we doing this? Why didn't they have this for their Halloween episode? Exactly. <laughs> you know, did they let the actors direct this? You know, they're just like, put on a costume do some yeah. funny stuff and yeah. then you'll be there yeah. it, it really did feel a little bit like they had 20 minutes worth of episode and then they kind of padded it out with this mm-hmm. other stuff so. i gotta say though uh dr i'm gonna say mugatu and that's wrong it starts <laughs> with an m yes it's mbenga yes him yes he looks fantastic in a yeah. crown and he that does. collar and everything it was like whoa you are the king you are the king he's great he was yeah. so good i what a good choice in that episode i know plot wise it had to be him because of his daughter but right to, to have him be the focus of this this very like whimsical funny thing mm-hmm. and he's like the man with the least sense of humor on the enterprise so but he knows him... what's going on because he oh, yeah. knows the story yeah. yeah so it's great and i also love the way he casually was just carrying his medical scanner around and randomly <laughs> scanning people and stuff. Yes, this is a good. wizard thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. Very, very good. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. I'm really sad that it's over. I was, I, I didn't realize it was 10 episodes and I was like, oh, shit. Now it's done. Now we're going to have to wait for the next thing, which is going to be Lower Decks, but not for a little while because they haven't announced right. and the actual they just, uh I believe it was, you know, last this past Thursday, you know, when this season wrapped up, they just on that day finished uh, shooting season two. Yeah. But it's got all this post-production to go oh, through, yeah. so we probably will not see it until 2023. Yeah. Well, the good thing, though, is that if they manage to do season two as well as season one, I think we'll have at least five years of Strange New Worlds coming, right? And that's worth staying alive for. Definitely. You know, like Edith Keeler. You know, <laughs> Men are going to go to the stars, and that's worth living for. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. So there's that. We do have something to look forward to. More, yes. more Star Trek. More Star Trek all the more time. More good, wonderful Star Trek that just feels right. It does. Um, here's one other thing I wanted to mention, which some people might be interested in. So Will Wheaton, we know Will Wheaton. Yes, we do. Um, he had written a book quite a while ago called Just a Geek. Uh-huh. And he'd written it shortly after he'd quit Star Trek and did a few other things. And it was all full of his experiences being on Star Trek and how horrible Rick Berman was to him. And then the mm-hmm. things he did afterwards. And it's about fame and it's about acting. And it's good. It's, it's mm-hmm. a good book. It's very of its time. And it's very it's very dated in some ways. So he's been busy man doing a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. He hosts The Ready Room, which is that show that's on YouTube for after Star Trek, which is right. it's good. He's a very good interviewer. Um, and he was on Picard. He decided to go back and basically annotate that book. And it's out. And it's called Still Just a Geek. And the book is basically like you're reading it and there's footnotes for just about every sentence where he goes and explains 
what he would have said if he'd been more honest or mm-hmm. what the real backstory was that he couldn't reveal at the time or more personal stuff that was going on in his life or things that he's learned as an adult since then. And it's it's really interesting. I don't think I've ever read a book quite like that where the author themselves annotates their own work from mm-hmm. years previous. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of that sort of thing, I can definitely recommend it. Um, there haven't been any really juicy Trek stories so far. <laughs> if there are, I'll be sure to tell us all about I them bet on the you show. Will. But it's good. And he really, you know, digs down a lot into his experiences on Star Trek and how special it was. And then what, what life was like as a an ex-Trek star after that and how... Mm-hmm. You know, he he talks about the other actors, too, and how it is what you make it as that person, right? You can allow it to trap you and have it be this really depressing thing, or you can embrace it, as Bill has finally done after all these years. Yes. And, and have it be a joyful thing that allows you to speak to people in ways that you may never have done before. So I, I like those sorts of reflections on Star Trek and fandom, because he's a fan, too. You know, he's not mm-hmm. just an actor. Yeah. Okay, I want to close with something completely different. Okay. I'm going to pose a question to you. Ooh, okay. I have like the inkling of an idea in the back Uh of my head. Okay. And so I want to know if anybody knows the canon answer or what is generally accepted about this. And here's the question. It's about the Kobayashi Maru. Oh, okay. Do the cadets know that this is not just another training scenario (laughs) that this is the biggie the no win scenario because I've kind of always been inclined to this um that you really are seriously sworn to secrecy to talk about it to anyone who Uh hasn't taken it but I don't know where I got that idea I'm trying to remember every time that it's mentioned in Wrath of Khan and it's only the people who have taken it, of course, who are talking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever seen cadets talking about it, have we? In any track. No, except for Savick in, in Wrath of Khan, and she's just finished taking it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but never have, like, I'm, I'm thinking of some of the TNG episodes that featured... Uh-huh. Um, Wesley, when he was a cadet at Starfleet, and other people who were who hadn't taken the test yet, and I cannot remember if they ever mentioned it, even in passing. Well, here's here's the thing: after you have finished and been scored and rated, do they tell you, okay, here's the deal? This was not uh, uh, the scenario you think it was. It's impossible to win. It's a test of character. Or do they just let you think, you you know, all these people who are at the top of their class and, you know, ace all these other things suddenly get their little egos rattled or something, you know, really, how is it handled? And also, Wesley did say something about it, which I thought was just stupid, which was he said, well, yeah, now the whole point is to figure out ways to, you know, futz with the computer so you can win. (sighs) Hmm. I don't know the answer. So, Wesley aside. (laughs) Yeah. How interesting. I mean, what you were just saying, like, if they really let the cadets go through getting their little egos kicked, that would be bad, right? Like, (laughs) that would be bad for them. Well, not necessarily. You know, they say, we want to see how you deal with death. Why? Um, <laughs> I don't know that our military does that other than sending you off to war. That's correct. <laughs> but um, it makes a huge difference, I think, in the score. Yeah. Because if you know going into this, nobody has ever beaten it and you aren't going to be the one to do it, you act in a certain way. If you think it's like the other scenarios that you've beaten, mm-hmm. you act in a different way. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that there's been a lot written about it in novels, but those aren't necessarily canon. Mm-hmm. I I really don't know. I would love to know what other people think about it. I'm going to have to think about that a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been having thoughts about the Academy and the Kobayashi Maru. And for me, that has always been the hole in the whole thing is who knows about this? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the instructors obviously the senior cadets who've taken it but i my theory is it's only taken by the ones who are on the command track 
I think that's correct. I think yeah. you're absolutely right about that. But you know, people being people, how could they not? How could they stop people from talking about it? You know. Well, there it, now we're in the Star Trek universe where apparently at least five people have never ever in a hundred years mentioned that Spock had a sister. <laughs> That's true enough. Because they were sworn to silence. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just think in the real world about how things work when you try to get people to keep a secret and no one can keep secrets, especially when it's something important. You know, people love to share secrets and they get drunk and they get high mm-hmm. and they're, they're just blabbing about everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I can imagine a lot of things that, would happen like in the quote unquote build up to Kirk taking the test Mm -hmm. and what would happen afterwards when he had beaten it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it depends on, you know, who knows about this? Yeah. And do you know about it going in or is it you're scheduled for your final scenario on Tuesday, you know, show up at the lab at 10 or whatever. Yeah. Well, let's see what the listeners have to say about yes, it. Yes, listeners, can... I really would love to hear your thoughts on this. And we'll, we will put it as a topic on the Facebook page also, so people can reply there okay. if they want to. We and um, we have a, like a list of links here that we sort of vaguely referred to by using their ideas in this discussion <laughs> of um, the last episode. And so we will include that in the show notes. So if you want to um, read some other opinions, some of them I disagree with and some, but most of my thought, this person really, you know, watched it and thought about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's worth hearing what they have to say. Yep. That sounds good. Um, I will put that all in the show notes. I'll link to this weird commercial that Bill did. So you guys all have fun stuff to look at. So, And we will just have to wait for Bill's watercolors. Oh, the watercolors. Do you think he'll have a showing? Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so amazing. I would love that. Okay. Well, listeners, here we are. We're at the end of Strange New Worlds. Big success. Thumbs up from us, that's for sure. For sure. Um, We'll be coming up to Lower Deck sometime soon. And in the meantime, there's lots of Star Trek still to be watched. So um, let us know what you've been watching and what you're thinking and what you thought about the finale of Strange New Worlds. Because we'd love to know that also. Yes, indeed. So we will be back in some weeks with another episode and i'm sure bill will have done a thousand things that we'll be ready to talk about at that point (laughs) listeners we love you thank you for sticking with us Uh, and until our next show live long and potluck yay yay (laughs) 